Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right, so if you are visiting with us, you, uh, um, we have been in a series in the book of Revelation. We're just getting started. We're in the, still in the seven letters of the churches. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 18, the message to the church in um, Thyatira this morning. And um, I'm just going to say I, this is one of the larger letters, longer, it's only if, uh, than the others. So I'm going to take two weeks on this. And the reason for this is next week, I'm going to dive into something that is going to be absolutely key for the rest of Revelation. I would say it's absolutely key for even understanding the entire Bible, Old or New Testament. Next week, we're going to tag a few things in this section. um, And we're going to look next week at lay out this. I'm going to make it a goal in 30 minutes to try to lay out a biblical, spiritual worldview. In other words, what is the spiritual realm look like. In other words, we are Westerners and a lot of the times we're just kind of numb or haven't been taught or understand this angelic, demonic, spiritual realm and how it, uh, we must have that kind of lens if we're going to properly understand the Bible and the world we live in and where things are going and how the spiritual realm impacts this physical realm and that we're spiritual people. And, uh, and, and without that, there's so many passages that we just do understand. So we're going to read this morning about those who conquer. Jesus says his, his blessing, he's going to let you rule the nations. Now, what in the world does that mean? Paul says you will judge angels one day. Now, what does all that mean? And uh, many, many other things from Revelation about what we're to look forward to. Why are we doing, (laughs) why why do we serve and lead and do what we do now in preparation for then? So we're going to dive into that big time next week. Um, And if you can't make it, I just encourage you to go listen to it online because it's going to be foundational to understand many of the things as we move deeper into Revelation and talking about this idea of being ready. Jesus gave us this. He gave us the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, as he said, uh, so we can be ready and that we, our eyes should be set on those, on those things. So again, please, if you have any questions, and I, I we should probably say this every week, um, some of you have given some wonderful questions. We're going to get into answering those as we move into this, but let's dialogue on this stuff. Let's keep this discussion going. As I said tonight, Outpost, we'll get into some of this. And... Um, but please, pass your questions on. Let's, if you have questions at all, please put them forward. So with that said, let's dive in this morning. As I said, we're going to be in um, Revelation 2, 18 through 19. Father, we just come to you. Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the churches. Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds. Speak to us, God. Let your word come alive again. May there be a hunger a desperation inside the hearts of your people for your word, Lord. You say, we're not to live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from you, God. Jesus, we love you. Your gospel is glorious. We love you, God. May your spirit move among us, Lord. You know where every heart is here this morning. And we ask, Lord, come and move, Lord, in powerful ways. Like only you can do, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
Folks, we're looking at this idea of deception and the battle for authority. And I have, again, just one statement. And we're going to break this statement down. If Please take this. I pray that you'll wrestle with it. This right here is one of the primary keys to understanding the kingdom of God and understanding the gospel in your life and understanding uh, spiritual maturity and walking with God. The only way we can live with the authority of Jesus in our lives is if we learn to live under his authority. This is a kingdom principle, and this is one that is highly under attack today. We'll get into a little bit of that this morning, Um, just the tearing down of God's authority structures. And the temptation for us is to step outside of those authority structures that God has given and think that we can somehow Right, continue to operate under the blessings of God. And we see this all through the scriptures. This is, again, we don't have time, but it, it flows powerfully through. This is a kingdom principle to understand the blessings of God in your life and in the life of a church. If I want to experience the authority of God, does anybody need breakthrough on that song, that new song you sung, talking about needing patience, a little more patience, a little more uh, peace? Uh, I think we all need those two big time, right? Is the only way that we can get the power of God inside our soul and see radical transformation is if we understand the authority of God and we place ourselves under his authority to be able to receive that authority. If we step outside his authority, okay, we, we, we halt that process and actually we create a lot of, of other problems. So um, this is... Uh, again, as I said, a kingdom principle that we need to really have our eyes open today to see what's going on in our culture, how that's crept into the church, and, and really what the enemy is up to, and to see what God is asking of his church, the importance of authority. Now, I'm going to get into some things this morning here. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about the spirit of Jezebel and some things in this church. Um, this is touchy subjects. I'm just going to say it. It's going to be touchy. And I'm going to roll, roll this out, and I just ask you to listen to the Spirit of God teach you for each one of us to heed what God's Word has to say to us to evaluate us ultimately. We'll talk about culture. We'll talk about what's going on. And, uh, but ultimately, what does this mean for us in the sense of renewing our, our walk right with God and to heed, as Jesus says here, right, what the Spirit is saying to the church? And so with that said... This is the message to the letter of Jesus to the church at Thyatira. And Jesus says, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, again, why are each of these letters addressed to the angel of the church? Unless we understand the spiritual realm and have a spiritual worldview, we'd have no clue what this means, as we don't many, many other statements. Uh, I could go over and over again. Why does he, Paul say in 1 Corinthians that we're have a, the ladies are have a, a covering on their head? What in the world is all that? That's some ancient religion thing? Because of the angels, it says. What is all that about? Is none of that will make sense to us unless we understand the spiritual realm. As I said, next week we'll get deeply into that. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, your faith, your service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, 
who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers, the one who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over all the na- over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoa. The word of God. This is tough stuff, right? Those are Jesus' words to the church, to this specific church. And we know there's seven letters, number of completion. Again, all of these letters are written, right, uh, as a completeness of what God would say in evaluating his church that throughout all time is that the churches were to heed this, were to be in tune with what the Spirit is saying to us as a church, Right, that we might, what, be pleasing unto him, that our evaluation before our Lord is, is a good one, right? So let me just dive into this, and I want to focus this morning on what is this, this Jezebel thing all about when it comes to authority. But um, let me just walk through a couple of these things. First of all, it says, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And this just goes back to chapter 1, right, to the vision that John had of, of the risen Christ, right, in his glorified position, reigning in heaven, right, waiting to come. And uh, these two things, as we get into this idea of authority, are beautiful because the idea for John is he sees this, this, this wonderful vision of Jesus, like his eyes are like flaming fire. And we say that, we see later on here, he says that nothing, right down to the heart, the very intentions of our heart, God will evaluate us right, according to what's in our heart, not just the outside works, but our thoughts and our tensions of our heart, and that Jesus' eyes pierce through, and folks, these are tough times, these are confusing times, and all the injustices and all the wrong things in the world is nothing goes unnoticed. Jesus sees it, God sees it all, and it all, justice will come. Jesus will deal with it all. We can rest in him that he sees all, it's all in his hands, rather than being overwhelmed, right, trying to make sense of things or be overwhelmed with the injustices or all the craziness going on. And he says he has feet, right, like burnished bronze. Again, it's just a picture, folks, that he stands firm, right? There is solid ground for him to stand upon. He's firmly seated, and they, they speak of his judgment. Righteous judgment will come. All things will be made right, and the question for us is, right, are we right before him, right? Have we allowed our hearts? Do we understand that even the thoughts and intentions of our heart that God sees? And he goes on and says, I know your work. So this church... 
Obviously, he commends them on their works. And folks, anytime you see the works, we'll get into this later as well, but this word um, it, it specifically means the works of, of Jesus. Remember, God says he has works for you that he has, has created when he saved you through the glory of the gospel, right? That he has works set aside. These are works in line of what Jesus has for us. And again, back to our theme here of authority is I can't walk in the works of God in my life unless I'm under the authority of God so he empowers me to carry those things out to understand the, the structure right of authority and he says I know your love your faith your service your patient endurance and that your latter works exceed your first this church was progressing right in their faithfulness and ministry and, and service right um, so he commends them but then he has a, a problem he has some evaluation and he says but I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants. So a couple things. Number one, you tolerate. Just a little side cultural note, folks, is that word was so big in our culture, isn't it? Tolerance. Have you heard much about it lately? So I just ask you, in all of our ability to push tolerance, are we a more tolerant people today? Just think of a couple years ago, whenever it was, that word, you saw it everywhere, just tolerance, tolerance, tolerance classes, tolerance, you know. You don't see that word much more, but it's just simply, are we more tolerant? Are we moving that way? Not, not even close. Now, that, that shit, and, 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 and we should step back and evaluate, why is that? Why are we the, the least tolerant probably we've ever been as a nation? The least tolerant. And that's where it's going, again, unless God changes the heart, right? Mankind cannot, some of these things are out of our hands, and this is why we should be, right, uh, seeking the Lord and asking him to come in our own life and, and, and others, right? That tolerance um, is something ultimately, the word actually means, right, to, right, to respect one another, have healthy discussion, let's tolerate but we are not to tolerate things, right, that are destructive. But again, in our culture, we've lost any ability, right, to have a moral authority, haven't we? I mean, where's the moral authority as a culture today? When it comes to all the things, whether it be starting with marriage, right, when it comes to morals of any kind, and just on down the list, who has moral authority anymore? Or even any firm foundation, who from a cultural standpoint, can actually say, oh, that's out of bounds, that's wrong, right? Um, and so you see quickly, folks, and I, I, I think we just have to speak honestly with what's going on, that we are, time and things are changing quickly, right? I think we all feel it. There's this underlying kind of undercurrent that we all feel this uneasiness. We know something's just not right and, and, and trying to figure out how it all fits together. Things are changing quickly, folks. Um, even more the reason we need to hold on to the Lord. Even more so that we need to live under the gospel. Even more so that we need to embrace our Lord Jesus, his grace, his mercy, right? He's the one who has 
the answer. He is the way. He's the truth. In a culture that's rejected truth, right, therefore tolerance means nothing, and we can redefine all kinds of things. Science is even up in there. Who has the basis for saying, you know, we say, well, science, science. Well, what science are you talking about when we can deny the very facts of science today on multiple issues, right? And it gets confusing, doesn't it? And so, again, we're, this is a time where we must press into the Lord. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the truth. He's the comfort. He has the answers, right, for us, the peace and the grace and the mercy. This woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants. So um, I'm going to come back and dive in here, but I just point out this idea of call herself a prophetess. The enemy will always take a spiritual gift or something good and corrupt it. That's how he works in the church. He doesn't create something new over here. He creates, takes what God has done. He takes God's structure. He's about deconstructing God's structure. And, um, and when it comes to the church and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is, the enemy's role has always been to come and to take something that is to be beautiful and edifying for the body and corrupt it. Because again, God clearly says in 1 Thessalonians, do not despise prophecy. Embrace, expect God to speak through everyone, right? To, and the whole premise of each one of these letters ends with, um, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, right? In other words, so my role as a teacher is to lay out some of the structure here, and yes, maybe hopefully provide some prophetic insight, but the whole premise of the church, going back to 1 Corinthians 14, is that, boy, is that each one of you is listening and has ears. Lord, what are you saying? Not just to me, but to the church. Through this, what are you saying today? We need the wisdom of God. God wants to speak to his children, and therefore we're to bring that as an encouragement. Could be to an individual, could be to your small group, could be to the church. The goal is to strengthen, encourage, and build up each other, right? Are we tuning in, right, and upholding, right, these gifts, and are we aware when the enemy is corrupting, taking a, something that's good and corrupting it, right, to bring division, right, in the, in the body? A couple other things here. It says, um, boy, um, he obviously has some strong things to say, doesn't he, about, about this. Now, um, this very well was most likely a woman in this church. It seems like it, but more than that, even if it is a specific woman, he's speaking about a spirit. The, the, the language here, because it goes on to the churches, and there was this, it, what happens in one church can bleed over to other churches, right? And so uh, it, it's speaking here most likely a teaching. And if you know your Old Testament, you know that Jesus is using this label, Jezebel, who was the, married to King Ahab in Israel. And, uh, and there's a lot that goes with that, why he's saying, calling this spirit that's alive in the church and that's been alive, right, at different times and different ways throughout, throughout history that we have to be aware of. And uh, that's very destructive in society as well, ultimately, right, um, in the church. And so let me just... Um, Give us a little history uh, on that, on specifically Jezebel and Ahab uh, to, to understand what's going on here. 
So going back to 1 Kings, starting about verse eight, uh, uh, chapter 18, is the story of Jezebel. And Jezebel was the uh, um, daughter of the king of Tyre. And she married, you know, a arranged marriage. She was given to King Ahab, the king of Israel. And um, you can study her life, and, and basically she... Um, um, well, let me, just, let me just describe it this way. I'm just going to walk you through um, kind of her and Ahab's relationship, and we'll flesh this out. She's a young gal, and she was the property of her father. And the society was completely unjust to women, as well as most women today, folks, by the way, around the world, are not honored like God would have them be honored. And a little side note, there's only one who ultimately done, um, ultimately to raise the dignity and the honor of being a woman, and it's Jesus. No one else, no one else brings us together, can liberate honestly the heart, the soul, the beauty, the glory of a woman like Jesus. No one. The gospel is the only thing that restores, renews, and builds, not legislation, not anything else. Only Jesus at the heart of things will do this. And Jezebel was um, the property of her father. That's how she was seen. It was a culture that was completely unjust towards women. And she was given to be the property of Ahab as as his wife in this marriage. And and part of that was this deep, deep wounding, right, of, of who she was. And her response to that was to buck up and rebel and to grab every bit of authority and power that she could in the process to push back against this oppression over her and over the whole society. And when she was put into this place as queen next to King Ahab, you can read the stories, is, is that slowly um, she took power. And slowly she became embittered towards Ahab who was Passive. Now, a little part of his story. You can't have a Jezebel spirit take off unless you have an Ahab. Ahab was grown up in privilege. Ahab never had to make decisions on his own. He was entitled. He was spoiled. He was given the silver platter. He never had to really do anything hard. He was pathetic. Just putting it simply. What a wonderful marriage, huh? And so you see uh, Jezebel coming in, and, and slowly but surely, she just, she got, she despised her husband, because he was weak, he was passive. And so she instead took charge, took power, and, and stepped into the, to that scenario, and, and along with that, she brought her gods. And in the process of, of her, her, her journey of rebellion and fighting against this injustice, she stepped outside of God's structure and design for her life, and she embraced other gods. And she brought the Baal worship. She brought the worship of Ashtar, all these things, and she blended it in. This is what it's talking about, seducing the servants, blended that with um, the, uh, the faith, the Jewish faith. 
And so it was this syncretism of, of, of this meshing of open sexuality, of idolatry and, and heinous other things. And, and she moved herself into being over the prophets, actually, of Baal and, and these others. This is the time of Elijah who came. If you know Mount Carmel, this is Elijah was God's prophet, right, in, in battle. Not with Ahab, but with Jezebel. And, uh, you know, you can read stories. He was pathetic. Um, he, he whined. He wanted this vineyard. He couldn't get it because the guy wouldn't sell it. And Jezebel, who do you think you are? You just see the language, right? And she goes, she moves in. Basically, long story short, she kills the guy and gives the vineyard to her husband. But you see what's happening here in Jezebel, her moving more and more into power-grabbing authority, right? Stepping outside, not only of God's authority, but stepping outside of of. of corrupting, actually worshiping God, and moving this thing in a darker and darker place, setting aside her husband, right? And he had no problem being set aside. He was just pathetic. And folks, this is a dangerous marriage, right? Apathy, passivity, along with high control and authority that's outside of God's structure, these two things, right? And folks, does that sound familiar? We can go all the way back to the garden. And the fall is the same thing, right? You had, why do you think the enemy came to Eve and tempted her first? Where was Adam? Remember, Adam was created first. God gave Adam. Adam, let me tell you right now in this garden, here's what you got to do. You need to be the protector and do not let anybody eat of that tree. Eve's not even around yet. But Eve comes and what happened? Adam is passive, he stepped back from this, he's not engaged, he's allowing his wife to move into something and be tempted, and the rest of the fall is history. And that is the course of our history moving, and it even says, right, part of the fall is that each man will will, uh, corrupt our God-given role, and women will corrupt their God-given role, and this is an ugly thing when when it all comes together. And the sad thing is, is for Jezebel, is that she didn't, she moved more and more into rebellion against God's structure and, and embracing of authority and power for her own, right? And for what she thought was the best for her country and her society. She did just the opposite of what King Esther did. You see, God... What Queen Esther did was in her weakness, in this injustice of, of, of women and everything else, she stayed within the authority structures of God and, she, and look how God responded. In the midst of weakness, right, she didn't step out, right, and try to grab hold of something. She didn't step outside of God's structure. She allowed God to work powerfully and you know the rest of the story with Queen Esther is because of her faith and her incredible life, right, God came to her and changed the entire, saved the entire nation, right? And folks, this battle is going on today in a bigger way than we'd ever realize. And folks, let me just say this. Somebody has said that, you know, there's also not just Jezebels, but there's Jezebels too. So it doesn't have to be just guy, right? Guys, and it, this can flip around, right? But this is specifically speaking about Jezebel, right? Um, the woman. And um, folks, I, I just... I just plead with you with everything within my heart is, is again, when we get this wrong, when our young girls and ladies think that they need to grab power, when they think they need to go and be like a man, or they need to go and they need to just try to really, right, fight the systems, be careful. 
Be careful. Now, there's a place for, for moving, for, for obviously moving towards these things. But boy, have wisdom, right? Because if we step outside of this, right, we step outside of God's authority and how he wants to work. Remember, he works in weakness, power. It's not by power, but not by might, but by my spirit, right, says the Lord, does he do great and glorious things. We live in a culture today, folks. Let me just lay it out. Just a few years ago, we're the only country, the only nation ever in the history of the world to reject God's design for marriage in law. And folks, we just kind of, that kind of just happened, and we kind of, you know, we kind of deal with it now. And folks, I just want to say that's an abomination before a holy God. No other nation, these other nations that God quickly judged, right, and everything else, no other nation has gone as far as we have. No other nation has put that up. Not that they didn't do these things, but we're the nation who's actually put it into law and stamped it as that's who we are. And look what's happened since then. Look how quickly things have digressed. And because God, in the very beginning, the hell, there's only one thing that holds a healthy society together. That's God's structure for marriage. You tear down marriage, you cannot have a healthy society. I would challenge you to find anywhere in history where there's a healthy society where there wasn't marriage, healthy marriage at the center of that. An understanding of God's structure inside marriage as the building block, right, of a healthy culture. You won't find it. Because God quickly will come, right, and judge. And so look how quickly, once you tear that down, right, is the authority of that gets broken up. Right now, right, there's every bit of, and of course, we could look at schools, we could look at everything, but there, there is no, all the deconstruction that's going on, every, and let me just say this, every single social issue that we've been dealing with, just lay them out. Whatever it is, anything that's hit the media, folks, whatever the issue is, at the core of every single one of those, at the, you go far enough down at the core of every single one of those, folks, is this idea of deconstructing the authority of God. It's deconstructing his authority, what he's set up as healthy society. At the base of every one of those social justice movements, though, again, we have to be careful. See, it's sly. There's some good things here. But at the base of those, you read far enough, is an attack on the very structure of God. And so what I give you, we just have to honestly look at what's going on according to right, the word of God. What I, I'm telling you is, is the authority structures of God in our nation have been tore down. Right? That does not bode well for our society. And again, he says, unless there's repentance, unless there's a turning back, right, Judgment will come. And it's here. It's here. We don't need to soft sell this. We're going to have to be realist because if we don't deal with reality, we're going to hit reality sooner or later. Right? And so this is what truth is all about. Truth is reality, and sooner or later, I'm going to be faced with reality, and what did I do with that, right? And, um, and so just drilling down on this, on this piece of it with this Jezebel thing, is I plead with you, and this is not just, this is women and men here. The tendency, what the enemy wants to do is completely corrupt any kind of authority. He wants to really, like this, ultimately make men very passive. Or he wants to make them misogynist, you know, tyrants. The other way. 
He really wants to make women step outside of God's structure and everything um, and, and, and to, to grab hold, fight for, rebel, and, 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 and fight for this, this justice, this, this thing. And um, again, some of this stuff needs to be fought for. But it's how. And what happens to the heart, right, in the, in the process. And um, in the church, there should be this beautiful harmony. There should be, it's in the church community where the gospel is preached, where we see that it's only Jesus who elevates the equality of men and women in the sight of God because both are created in the image of God. Both are equally beautiful, uniquely beautiful in the sight of God. It is in the church that this beautiful harmony should be brought together as they are uniquely gifted, right, and to work beautifully together. The church should be fostering that and honoring that and, 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 and we should see that modeled right to, to the rest of, of the world. And so I, I just want to end, just bring this down to, to us, right? Which is, boy, as I evaluate my life, man, am I, is my temptation, you see, the, you know, on this issue of authority, Remember Jesus, the great commission is, he starts it by saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go now and make disciples. To all nations, teaching them everything I've taught you. You see, the very mission itself cannot be accomplished unless I first understand authority. Remember, there's only one person that Jesus marveled at. There's only one person that he just marveled at their faith, and it was a centurion, a pagan. The centurion had a faith. He was a faithful centurion. And he had a servant that was ill. Remember the story in Capernaum? And he comes to Jesus and, hey, my servant's ill. Just say the word and he'll be healed. Just say the word. Just says, I'll come. And so, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a man unworthy. You can't come, you know, to, into my house. And now he's got Jesus' attention, right? And uh, he said, no, just say the word. He says, and then he says this. He says, I'm a man under authority. And I understand how authority works. When I tell my men to do this, they do that. When I report up higher, I understand to place myself in the proper place of authority. It says that Jesus marveled at his understanding. And folks, Jesus says, go, it's done. If you want authority in your life, if you want genuine power of the gospel in your life, you gotta learn to live under the authority of God. If I buck his authority in marriage, if I buck his authority structures in the church, if I buck his authority structures out in the world, is I set myself against the kingdom of God. And I open myself to all kinds of just anger and ugly stuff. And so I just leave this as we kind of close this out. Derek, y'all can come on up. It's just a time to... to Really think, Lord, two things need to happen. The Spirit of God needs to wake up. And I'm gonna gonna drill in just as this passage did to passive maleness. The Lord wants to come and awaken the male when it comes to the things of God. One of the greatest problems in the church and society is when it... is a, there's a passivity towards church and faith among our men. 
What happens when that happens is we open a door for the enemy to come and what happens is, is women have to step into that. And the problem is once sometimes they step too far into that, they get tempted like Eve did, like Jezebel did originally, to step outside authority. And so men, is God speaking to us to step out? It's time. Step out of passivity, right? And take hold of the role that God has given you, right? To be a bold leader for Christ and for his kingdom, right? Not to, don't stay on the back in the shadows. And ladies, I would just ask you, I understand the frustration. I understand the confusion today. And Again, if we went around the world today, we live in a unique place where we are working and some great things have happened as far as equality and, and, and honoring women. But it is a mess around the world. I don't have to take you to Afghanistan right now. I could take you to India. I could take you to oh, the rest of the world and women are oppressed. And that's the enemy's work. But I plead with you, don't buy the modern Right, the, the modern fire of, of you know, be like a man or, or do this or do that or, or you know, get angry at it. Don't do that. Be careful. Let the Lord lead you. Be an Esther. Right? Be an Esther that is ultimately powerful. That's the result you want. You want to change a nation. You want to change a culture. But you got to stay in God's guardrails of, of, of what our role is, God-given role in this, in this thing, and work together on this. It's not one is better than the other. It is just God's design. And when it is rejected, we lose authority. We lose authority. God has great things for you. And I just plead with you, if you're in a position where this is a battle, and, and I, I, I would just ask you if you're bitter against a man, his passivity or his abuse. I hear you this morning, and I just say, there's really only one solution. Do not let that abuse set you on a course outside of God's authority. Go to God. Let him heal you, strengthen you. Let him lead and guide you, right, in a powerful authority position, right? And men, I'd say to you, evaluate. So what's the Spirit of God saying? Is it time to step out, right? And let God, right, be at the forefront, not to be in the back seat, right? And so, Father, we just come to you this morning, and Lord, this is tough stuff. But Lord, your gospel is so glorious. And Lord, your design is so wonderful. You created male and female in your image, beautiful, unique, different roles, but Lord, beautifully to complement each other. And Father, I just pray that you would restore in your church again this glorious vision of what it is to be gloriously female and wonderfully male, Lord. Father, we wouldn't fight against each other. We wouldn't try to be like each other. We wouldn't confuse that, Lord. Father, bring healing, Lord. Father, where there's abuse, where there's hurt, Lord. Father, I pray that the anger and the hurt, Lord, be covered by your spirit, Lord. You see all. Jesus, your eyes are they're like a flame and fire, Lord. You will come. You will bring justice, Lord. Father, we want to live under your authority. Lord, come. 
Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church today. And Lord, I pray you bring healing in this area, God. Healing, Lord. Restore marriages. Restore hearts. Restore the hurting, God. Let church be a place to journey in this as we, Lord, try to live under your authority and the structures, Lord, that you've created. Not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, Lord. Lord, come bring encouragement. Speak to us, Lord. Bind the enemy, bind the lie, expose the lies. Bring freedom, Lord, this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.